part series. You know, I, in my life, I want some new things in my life. Now, I'm not talking about stuff. <laughs> not talking about that at all, because Americans, especially myself, were already pretty stuffed. <laughs> we got all we need there. But I have this desire from deep inside of myself to become new. I have some old things that kind of linger and hang on in my life, some old lingering parts that I want to trade those in for something new. I am not often, here's a newsflash for you about Harley, I am often not at peace with myself. I, I want that peace, and it's something that has to kind of come from inside, right? Directed by God. Um, there are many times in my life that I just don't feel normal. And I know you look at me and you're like, well, good reason, <laughs> Harley. You're not normal. But I, I just, I have that feeling sometimes in my life that there's something missing in me. I've had moments in my life, seasons sometimes, where I have thought there must be more to life than this. And I believe on some level, we are all sitting in here this morning in this room basically because we have a desire to have some kind of state of new in our life. And I recognize sometimes we're here by coercion. Maybe somebody promised you to go buy you lunch if you would show up. Some, there are various reasons. But pretty much something inside of us says, I want the old me to kind of be gone or be less, and I want to be changed to new. You know, a lot of us have this idea of God over here. I don't know if you can see this. You probably won't see it on the screen, but if you look here on the stage, I have a set of scales here. And a lot of us live our lives kind of by those scales, and we think, okay, we've done something bad, and it tilts the scale down, and we say, okay, I better, before God gets me, I better do a lot of good over here to make up for that bad. A lot of times we have a tendency to live our lives like that. And, and there are many people who call themselves Christians or believers who would ascribe to that set of scales view of God. Many who do ascribe, saying that's a good view of God. I'm just saying a lot of people do. But even many who do ascribe to that, when you look at their lives, if we were to really be honest with ourselves, we would have to say this, that yes, maybe they do acknowledge that there's a creator. And yes, maybe they do acknowledge that they want their life somehow to be associated with him. But when we look at those lives, when we look at ourselves, if that is us, well, we don't really see that we are surrendered to him daily. God kind of really becomes more of an afterthought. Just, oh, I did something bad. Then we think about God. Oh, I better do something good to make up for what I did bad. He's kind of like that computer software program. It, you, you turn it on and you're running it, but you minimize it. And you know it's running in the background, but you don't really pay any attention to it because you're just not thinking about it moment by moment. And that's kind of how we treat God. We know he's running in the background. We know he's doing stuff, taking care of stuff. But because we don't see him moment by moment, we're not interacting with him moment by moment. He's just there in the background. Until we have a problem, then we're going to maximize that and try to tune into that. So because many people live that way, especially in America, then we, because of that, 
then we have set up our own evaluation of how we are doing with this Christian life, this believer's life. And so our own evaluation would look something like this. Yeah, I know I'm not up here. I'm not really in hot pursuit of God. I know I'm not there, but I'm not down here either. So, you know, I don't, at least I'm not down there running from God, you know, raising all kinds of hell all throughout my life. I'm not there, but I know I'm not up here, but at least I'm not there. You would kind of call me, I'm, I'm kind of even right here in the middle, chugging along. I'm just kind of right here, strong in the middle. But here's the truth. New never happens in the middle. It just doesn't. Here's the reality. If the Christian claims that we find in the new covenant, if those claims about Christianity are true, then they should define us. All of us. They should define us every day, all day long, every decision we make, every word that we say, everything that we do, it should define us. But this is true as well. If those claims of Christianity and the new covenant are not true, then we should have nothing to do with them. Nothing at all. In fact, there should be no middle at all. It should be all or nothing. And in fact, that's what God said. He said, I would rather you be hot chasing after me or cold running away from me than found here in the middle. And because you're in the middle, I'm going to throw up and you're going to be part of it. That's what he said. There should be no middle at all. If the claims of Christianity are true, we should be hot after pursuing God. If they're not, we should have absolutely nothing to do with them. But we've all developed this belief. We've, we've developed a belief about God. And it often starts out like this with these words. Well, I think God is like, and then we fill in the blank. Well, I think God is, and we fill in the blank. And so we have developed this idea about God. But all of our ideas about God lead us straight to the middle. And from those very same words, well, I think God is like, fill in the blank, all across the world, we have divided into millions of ideas of who God is and what God is like. From those thoughts, most of which are wrong, we have developed our ideas of how we think God behaves and how God acts and how God interacts with His creation, the world around us. And because everyone that I know, including myself, we have all used the phrase, well, I think God is like all of those thoughts about God. And all of those thoughts about what God is like, they have implications, dangerous implications, eternal implications. 
And we begin to love this idea that we have of God. And we are in the middle. Because we can't really be changed by an idea of who God is. And we begin to create ourselves a God in our own minds with whom we would like or choose to associate. But if we want new in this life, we're going to have to have a better understanding of God. An understanding based upon not not what we think, but what He has actually revealed to us from His Scriptures Himself. And God, He'll never settle for us being in the middle. He demands hot pursuit. And it will take hot pursuit in order for us to get to new. So, We better try to jump back a little bit. Maybe restart with this series named Regarding New. And let's lay a better foundation. That's why we're doing this series. Five unraveling weeks. Five unskippable steps to one new life. So we can take our thoughts... And begin to unravel them. To begin to undo all the tangles of what we think about God. And what we think God is like. And what we think God should be like. And who God is. And we better go all the way back. Way, way, way back. Maybe to the beginning. Because it's a very good place to start. At least if you're in the sound of music. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 gives us a clue. God himself giving us a clue about what God is like. Here's what he says. My thoughts are nothing. Nothing like your thoughts, God says. Nothing. He says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. We need to let that sink in very, very deeply as we begin this series. And as we begin a new foundation leading toward a new life, God's thoughts are nothing like ours. His ways are far beyond anything we could imagine. All right, here we go. Let's see. Let's start here. Back in the late 1900s, I love saying that, when I was just a wee one, In Fayetteville, Arkansas, they did some digging in our backyard to lay some kind of pipe or something, do some kind of trench or something, and this got dug up. I was out there playing in the trench, and this this was buried in my backyard, this hammer, this actual hammer. I, I, I still use it every once in a while. Most of the rust is now gone, but I found it, and immediately when I found this hammer, I pulled it out, and I knew, I pulled it out of the ground, I knew this had a creator. This did not just happen. It did not just form from pressure in the ground. It didn't just happen for this hammer. The design is evident. It had a handle. It was like, yep, that's a handle. Couldn't be anything else. That's a handle. It had this clawy thing here. That's good for something. It's a clawy thing. It had a, it had a, like a, 
a pounding end on this end. It's like, yep, that's, that's got a design. That this was not random. This was not by chance. This has a design. These also came out of the ground. I don't know if you can see that. I'm going to hold it up against this dark. It's, this is, these are arrowheads. I really like this one. It is almost perfect. And these came out of, off of farmland, freshly, freshly plowed uh, in Arkansas. And, wow, that is amazing. So these came out of the ground. And immediately you know when you look at that, yes, that is, that is a rock. But it's not just any rock. It's not like a new kind of rock that you find all throughout the world at various parts, of, you know, in the plains and near water. and there. It's not just any kind of rock. It's not a new kind of rock that we're going to call, well, we'll call this rock, um, let's say, maybe sharpest, pointest, rockest. That's the, no, it's not a new kind of rock. It's just a rock. It has a design. Rocks don't have design. It's not just a rock. It has a design, an obvious design. That means something. It didn't just happen by chance. It was designed this way, with a purpose to use in a special way. Now, if something has an obvious design... We know something, like, like the hammer, obvious design. Like this arrowhead, obvious design. If it has an obvious design, it means there is a designer. And the designer of this item is the creator of the item. Interesting, right? You with me so far? I've got some pictures here. Um, the top one, that's me peeking through a hole. These other four are four of the seven kiddos in our home. Um, you look at that, and you're like, you, there's something going on here. You look at it, and it's obvious. You know that these paintings have a creator. These are not just accidents of pigment. <laughs> Paint did not just get spilled and organize itself into these portraits. There's a clear design and a purpose. These did not arrange themselves. And the reason why I don't have one of Vanessa and one of our other three kiddos is because I have lost my painting nerve. And I'm afraid now, if I painted, it would look nothing like them, and I would be humiliated. So I'm still four paintings short. But nonetheless, these, before I lost my nerve, I created them. And because I was the creator of these, I got to decide some things. I got to decide as the artist, as the creator, I got to decide what type of paint I would use. I chose oil. I got to choose what colors I would use in the painting. I got to choose what I would apply the paint with and what I would put the paint on. And I got to choose how long I would take and I got to choose um, how, 
how much paint I would use. I got to choose all kinds of things because I created them. I even got to choose why I wanted to create the paintings. And because I have retained ownership of them, I have gotten to choose how I want those paintings used. I got to decide all of that. And by the way, just an aside here, I happen to be also smarter than that painting. I'm the creator and I happen to be smarter than the painting. Now when somebody invents something, they get some privileges with that invention. They get to determine the purpose of the invention. Um, They get to uh, design, they get to, as the designer, they get to know more than that design itself. The designer, the creator, the inventor here gets to choose how it is going to interact with what he has created. He gets to choose how he's going to interact with it, what he's going to do with it, how he's going to use it. Now, while we're thinking about creator, let's jump back to this new foundation we're building, and let's listen to this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, starting there. Paul says, Christ is the visible image meaning someone we can see, the visible image of an invisible, something we can't see, God. It goes on to say He existed, Jesus Christ existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything. He made the things we can see, and he made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities uh, of this unseen world. Everything, everything was created through him and for him him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Do you know why he holds it all together? Because he is still the owner. He's the creator, the owner of it all. Now here's a really big point as we begin to lay this new foundation. Here it is, point number one. The inventor, the designer, creator God. He gets to determine the purpose of his creation. And he knows more than all of his creation. And he gets to interact and communicate with his creation however he wants to. It's a big piece of this foundation. All right, let's look at a few things here. Here's something else. How do we know what is right or wrong? I mean, we kind of know, don't we, inside? We kind of know what's right and wrong inside. I mean, there's something inside of all of us, except for psychopaths, 
But everyone else, deep inside, they know when something is right and something is wrong. Why is that? And who gets to decide what that is? Interesting. Okay, let's talk more. Hitler, during World War II, he killed six million, six million Jewish souls. And Hitler and the Nazi party, they said that was right. Now, we hear that today, and we say, no, 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 no way. That was wrong. I mean, that was way wrong. So here's the question. Who's right? Is Hitler and the Nazis right? Or are we right? And who's to say? You see, there's something inside of us that says, no, 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 that was wrong. Very, very, very wrong. But why? And we might say, well, because it's evil. And we would have to ask, why is it evil? I mean, who says it's evil? I mean, you could say it's evil, but is it evil just because you said it's evil? Here's another interesting part of this. Back in the 1700s and the 1800s, in America, the United States, the majority of the people said it is okay to have slaves. It's okay. And you can just really treat them however you want, as cruel as you want to get them to do what you want them to do. And in fact, you can go as far, you can even treat them like animals and separate families. So here's the question. Who gets to decide that's right or wrong? Is it a popular vote? So you just go with whomever gets the most votes and we say, okay, that must be right because more people think it's right. Does the majority get to decide what is right and what is wrong? Because that's what happened in slavery. Or is it decided by the person who's the strongest? Like Hitler, the person who has the most might gets to choose what's right. How about this? Why do we know that it's wrong to starve our babies? Why do we know that? Right. Feed that baby. <laughs> I hear a bottle right there. Why do we know it's wrong? to starve our babies? Why do we know that it's wrong to beat our children until their bones are breaking? Why do we know that it's wrong to neglect them? Because there's something deep inside of us, right? And we just know it's wrong. And God has placed a sense of right and wrong inside of us, each one of us. But listen, I want to take it a huge step further from that point. Because even when we don't agree on what is right and wrong, even when we in this entire room don't agree with them way over there about what is right or wrong, ultimately, We don't get to decide. 
It is decided for us. Here's big point number two. Because he's creator, God gets to decide what is right and wrong. Not me. Not me. God gets to decide that. It's not about what I think. It's about what God has decided. And that includes what I do and what I say and how I use my body, what I do with myself and my body. It's all of that God gets to say. And what is God's standard, by the way? We're told in 1 Peter chapter 1, listen to this, verse 15. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Holy most of the time? Nope. Everything. Holy, you know, when I think about it, or holy when it's convenient for me, or holy when I'm at least holier than that person. Holy? Everything God says. Just as God who chose you is holy. Now, that's a paraphrase. Here are God's words. For the Scriptures say, and this is God speaking here, you must be holy because I am holy. The standard is not, do I have more good in my life on this scale than bad? The standard is, there can be zero. If you're going to choose the scales, the standard is there can be not one single bit of unholiness in this ever. Period. So beware, you can choose the scales. But if you do, you've already lost. Because all of us have sinned. All of us have been unholy. And I would go as far to say we are unholy because sin is this side of Adam in us. That's the standard. The rules are not well, this is what I think about them, or this is what I think they should be. The rules are not who has the majority vote, and that's going to be the standard, that's going to be what's okay, that's going to be what's right. Mm -mm. It is not about the person choosing who has the largest army and the most power. No, 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 no. None of those get to choose right and wrong. The creator of life. The designer the inventor gets to decide what is right and what is wrong for what he has invented. That I don't get to choose. This is such an important part of this foundation. This is not a buffet where we say, I'll take that one, God, I'll obey that one. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll follow you here, but I'm going to leave that one there, and I'm going to leave that one there, I'm going to skip over the steamed vegetables, gross, and I'm going to move over here. I'm going to get what I want off this buffet. It just doesn't work that way. Let me give you an example. Your child or your grandchild or a relative or a neighbor kid down the street that you just barely know, they say, ah, oh, I really want to play with knives. Hang on there, Chucky. 
I want to play with knives. Or they say, no, 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 I, I really, really, please, I want to play with razor blades. Or they say, I want to play with a loaded gun. Please, it's going to be so much fun. I want to play with a gun. Or they say, no, really, I, I want to stick this table knife into the electrical outlet. That's what all the smart kids do. Ah, I tell you what, I want to jump out of a moving car. Mama, please. Now, as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, just someone you know down the street, you're like, no, 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 no. You, you can't play with knives. You can't. The answer is no, you can't play with knives. No, no, I'm sorry, you cannot stick the knife into the electrical outlet because you want to pretend like it's a key and you're starting the car. Because I did that at three years old. Didn't turn out so well. Shot me across the room. That was do that. No, 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 no. That's not going to be good. That's not going to work. Parent says, no, you can't play with razor blades to their three-year-old child. No, you can't do that. A parent says, no, and, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the child may not understand why they can't play with a razor blade. It may not understand that they don't it may not matter that they don't understand. The answer is still no. This, is, this was my, my dad's. This was his western Oklahoma western rattlesnake plinker. Had it in the house even though we weren't in Oklahoma anymore. And never once was I allowed to play with it. I wasn't. And it didn't matter if I say, but I want, I really, really want to. And it doesn't matter if I said, that's not fair. Guess what the answer was still? No. No. Harley, you can't jump out of a car while it's moving. I tried. My mom put it in park. She got out. That was back before kid, you know, restraints inside the car. This was your restraint. She got out of the car. She came around, and I immediately got a spanking. And I never tried to jump out of the car again. It's amazing how that works. No matter how much I wanted to, the answer was still no. You see, even the child not understanding the far-reaching consequences, that does not change the answer. The answer from the parent is still a resounding no. Here's big point number three. Our Father gets to choose to determine 
the rules, even if we don't understand why. Even if we don't understand why something has to be a rule, He gets to decide. And here's the truth. So many things, when it comes to God, and the decisions He makes, and the th- we're not going to understand. Romans 11 reminds us of that. It says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, and how impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. For us to move toward a new life, This step that we're talking about today cannot be skipped. We don't tell God what we think the rules should be. We don't get to choose the standard. We don't get to say, well, God, I think it should be. Well, I think. No, 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 no. We have to have a new foundation. We have to... If we're going to get to this new life regarding new, we're going to have to have a new foundation. And we have to begin to unravel our thoughts about God and we've got to go back to the beginning and lay a new foundation. And everything in this series rests upon us agreeing with these. New will never follow if we don't start here. If we don't start here, we are going to forever be stuck in the middle. Just stuck there. Just us in the middle, just acknowledging, yes, there's a God, and just acknowledging this is my idea of God, my thoughts about God. But my thoughts about God, that is a God who will never, ever make any difference in my life. We must have a new foundation. See, with the wrong foundation, you go to build a house, eventually it's, it's going to collapse. And my life will do the same thing upon the wrong foundation. But, you see, that's a God that I've created in my mind. That's who I've created. And if I've created that God in my mind, the way I think He should be and what He should be like, then that means I get to create the rules for that God. He's going to do what I want and be the way I want Him to be. But the God in our minds that we have created does not exist. And that God won't change us because that God is a God we have created. And it can't change us. We need a new foundation, a solid foundation. And it really starts here. And upon this foundation, based upon... God, how He has revealed Himself in Scripture, who He actually is, as He has revealed that to us in His Word, we can build upon that foundation and we can build that life as high as the Creator chooses. 
Here is that foundation in a statement. God is the supreme authority. God of all things, and they are all under His control. God is the sovereign Lord of all things created, and it is an incontestable right that He has as Creator, as Owner, as Possessor of heaven and earth. I told you to have your phones ready if you choose to take a snap of these things. And they're getting ready to follow. There will be eight of them. And this, this, is, this is just in language that I can understand what we have read in Scripture today. And we're laying this new foundation, this unskippable step. We'll never get to new. I'm just going to say, we won't get to new in our lives if we don't lay these as part of our foundation. This is something we can build upon. Based upon what we've covered this morning, here's the first one. God is the Creator. God is the Creator. Here's the second one. The Creator is not defined by what I think. Not defined by what I think the Creator should be. Is not. This is fundamental to our foundation that we're building. God is not who I think He should be. Here's the next one. As Creator, He gets to decide the what, where, when, how, and why of everything He creates. Here's the next one. God gets to set the rules. Because He is the designer, this is all His design. Even if I don't understand why, it's still His design, His rules. Even if I don't agree with what they are, it is still, I have to get to the place where I say, I may not agree, I may not understand why, but He's the designer, it is His rule. It's His, He gets to set them. Here's the next one. God the Creator, He knows more than I do. The creation. He knows more. Here's the next one. God the Creator is more than I can understand or even imagine. I cannot fathom, I cannot understand God. He already told us His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts. If I could understand God, and play, you know what, I'm placing Him in the box, the box of my mind, and that is a little God who could do you no good or me no good. God is bigger than we could imagine. We can't understand or even imagine His greatness. Here's the next one. The Creator gets to choose how He will interact with His creation. We might look at God and say, God, why did you let us sin in the first place? Why did you let us blow it? Wouldn't it have just been easier, God, to make us all do the right thing? God gets to choose. We say, God, why did you send Jesus 2,000 years ago? Why did you even have to do it through Jesus anyway? And why? what about all the people before? And God, what about all the people who are on these little bitty islands way, way, way away? Nobody even knows they're there. What about them? 
Wouldn't it be easier or better, God, to do it another way? Here, I have a suggestion for you. The Creator, He gets to choose how He's going to interact, when He's going to interact with His creation. Here's the next one. We don't get to tell the Creator how to do that. Here's the next one. And the Creator gets to create the purpose for His creation. He gets to create the purpose of life. Of my life. The purpose of your life. God gets to decide. Let me give you a hint. It is not for me to make God more like me. And if we will agree on these as a foundation, we have the required start to begin to unravel what we have thought. And we have our first unskippable step. Because we can't, honestly, we can't get to new without this step. And this morning, I'm getting ready to end this teaching time with a prayer. And then we're going to pass those buckets to collect your connection cards. Then we're going to leave. But I hope this week you will begin building this new foundation with us. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for trying to create you in our image. You are the creator, not us. You reveal yourself to us and how you choose and when you choose, you get to determine how you will interact with us. You get to determine our purpose, God. You know all. My mind, it is so limited. And you as our creator, you get to determine how this life works and you get to set the rules and they are not based upon what I think and the way I think that things should be. God, some of us are acknowledging these truths right now. And I ask that you would lead us out of this meaningless middle. Use this new foundation to begin to lead us out of this changeless, powerless middle and toward new. Thank you, God. Not as I think you are, but God, as you have revealed yourself to us in Scripture, you are one God. You are relating to your world as three. God, we can't understand that. Our minds don't comprehend that. But we thank you. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you, God the Son and God the Spirit. God, you are all-knowing and you are all-powerful and you are ever-present, never-changing, the Creator of us all. And we ask that you lead us out of this nothingless of the middle. Lead us toward yourself, toward new lives. And it is in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that we ask these things. Amen.